0: You know what was great in the 80s and 90s? Movie soundtracks. Man, there was this one, it was awesome. It introduced me to a whole slew of artists I'd never heard of before. It had Concrete Blonde covering Leonard Cohen, Henry Rollins and the Bad Brains covering MC5, The Pixies, Peter Murphy. It was amazing. I listened to that soundtrack for hours on end. Those were the days. Oh, and there was also some movie attached to it that had Christian Slater in it or something. It was okay, I guess. But man, that soundtrack. Oh god, that was something. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Pump Up the Volume. Welcome to The Hold Up.
1: Each month we pick a movie one of us remembers fondly but hasn't seen in years. We watch it and we decide, does it hold up? I'm John Longino And I'm John Nelson. Greetings and salutations. Uh, we are now deep into... Well, not deep into 2017. <laughs> we, we have... We
0: are barely scratching the surface Peaks of 2017. We, yes,
1: it feels like we're we're in it for a while. But yes, welcome to February 2017, brought to you by a recording from January 2017. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome from the new digs. We're in Longino's new uh, podcast kingdom. That's right. Yes. Hopefully the audio sounds okay. We we shall see. But this is uh, I, the 101 freeway is a mere stone throw <laughs> from where we now sit. So
0: I, I'm hoping it won't be too bad. That's great. We love it here in the new studio
1: yes and for uh this valentine's day uh it looks like we got a love letter for uh, in an email that was sent to us john Uh, i'm very happy uh if you want to email us here at the podcast you can email us at holduppodcast at gmail.com
0: yes this comes from our old friend ray morton he's been uh, listening to our back catalog and he has thoughts been catching up on the recent podcasts great job as usual oh thanks some thoughts on the movies bob roberts I remember being disappointed with this one when I first saw it, and your conversation reminded me of why. The character actually began as an SNL sketch. The joke was he was a folk singer but sang all these horribly conservative songs. It was a good concept and a good joke. I thought the movie's problem is that it suffered from premise overload. It was about a folk singer who played conservative songs. And a spoof of campaign documentaries. And a spoof of conservative politics. And of conspiracy theories and theorists. <laughs> For me, satires work best when their target is specific and clear, but I felt that Robbins was aiming at too many targets, and the whole thing felt diluted, and therefore not very effective.
1: Wow, I had no idea that Bob Roberts was based on an SNL sketch. That's interesting.
0: That's because you don't go to our Facebook page, at <laughs> facebook.com slash podcast, where <What? laughs> I, I have... Put the sketch uh, for... I, I put it up before we aired the episode, okay, so so. I'm
1: intimately familiar with our Facebook account. I don't know what you're
0: referring to. <laughs> Folks, to- if, you, if you want to see the uh, sketch that Ray is talking about, it is actually available on our Facebook page. Um, hopefully, I mean, I just clicked to the link that, that was provided at the time, so hopefully it's not been firewalled or something. So go ahead and check it out. Okay, back to uh, Please Ray's- continue, Ray uh, slash John. <laughs> <laughs> Hook... There's no bigger Spielberg fan on the planet than me, and I think this was by far his worst film. Man. <laughs> I mean, AI? Really? I don't know. That one's pretty... Right, anyway. Please In stay. a world with 1940-whatever, uh, the... 1941. 1941, yeah. 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 This was a movie Spielberg didn't really want to do. At the time, Spielberg was suffering something of a crisis of confidence. He was trying to get away from making quote-unquote Steven Spielberg movies and wasn't having much luck. Ovitz convinced him that he should keep trying to do Spielberg movies, so Spielberg agreed, but his heart was never in it, and it shows. And Rufio totally sucked. Wow. What? what? Oh, cut the CML off right now. I don't want
1: to hear another word. Ray Morton is banned from the podcast from here on out. Uh, sorry Doesn't for like it. Rufio. What? Ah. Don't
0: listen to him. <laughs> P.S. You mentioned the next month you'll be doing Pump Up the Volume. This is a movie I have never seen, mostly for personal PTSD-related reasons. What? (laughs) I was once interviewed for a job on an earlier film, never completed by the movie's director, who conducted the entire interview in the nude. To be fair to him, he was wearing a bathrobe, but to be fair to me, he left it wide open. (laughs) I had a hard time watching his work after that. Wow! Keep up the good work, Ray. <laughs> Thank Jeez. you, Ray. Confessions <laughs> here. That's wow. I just love the idea that someone interviews you for a job, a in a bathrobe anyway, and, and b with it open. That <laughs> you know, I can't say as I've had that experience, but I guess Hollywood is Hollywood. What are you going to do? Hey, man, that's that's a good lead into our uh, movie of the night. I think.
1: Yes, well, first of all, thank you, Ray, for your
0: thoughts. We really appreciate them, as always. As always, thank you very much, Ray. It's nice to have somebody who I'll knows what they're... fight you to the death on hook, but, you know... <sighs> I, I won't. <laughs> uh,
1: let us continue forward uh, to the matter at hand, which, John, this is uh, your pick for this month. Yes. And as Ray has already uh, spoken about, you have chosen Pump Up the Volume.
0: Yes, um, which is a movie that came out when I believe I was... In high school, the tail end of high school, I was an, uh, an older young man, um, and I saw it a couple of times in the theater. I remember seeing it at least a couple of times in the theater, and then maybe catching it on cable ever since. And do maybe, you
1: remember what year it came out?
0: I don't. It was like late '80s, early '90s. Okay. Um, if it I'll was guess. It, if it was my senior year in high school, then it was either '90 90 or '91. Okay. Um, so, and have you you've never seen this movie? I,
1: right? So okay, so not only have I never seen Pump on the Volume, I know absolutely nothing about Pump Up the Volume. I know the name. I've heard the name. (laughs) And I... You've said Christian Slater was in it. I didn't even know that much. Right. That's all I know. Like, I don't know anything about the movie.
0: This was basically when he he was coming off Heathers and uh, I don't know if he... He was doing... He did Heathers and then he did like a slew of other movies like right afterwards. He did like... Young Guns Two, which the, he we did on oh, the yes. show previously, oh, we're very um,
1: familiar. Christian Slater is a returning uh, <laughs> valedictorian of the Hold Up podcast. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, and he did Cuffs, and I don't, you know, he had already done Gleaming the Cube before this, but like it, Heather's was his big success, and so he was. Sure. Doing, this was his sort of first, first starring role, maybe. I don't know. Okay, um, but he was certainly riding the way they were trying to make him into a young person's movie star and this was exactly it's like rebel without a cause in modern day high school but instead of not having a cause he has a cause and that cause is radio okay before you get into what the movie's actually about you want to take a guess uh, yeah i think it could be fun to just <laughs> I, I, I like yeah. our shots in the dark no right. but I, I i will give you that christian slaters okay, in the movie sure. he's a teenager and he's a dj okay go okay
1: all right so knowing nothing about pump of the volume uh, I know that in your in your opening description You mentioned the soundtrack quite a bit That you I really did. liked the soundtrack And if he's a DJ Then I Okay I'm gonna guess that Christian Slater Is a College Radio DJ Who Is Playing music But then the Dean of the College Comes and is like Hey We gotta cut the budget The radio station's Not Not making The money we need So, uh, we're going to have to, we're gonna have to shut you down or whatever. There's like a, we got to shut it down, whether it's college or whatever, whatever he's working on, like the radio stations going under. So he goes like, not on my watch baby <laughs> and sets up some kind of, I don't know, party or like big save the radio station <laughs> hoedown or something. And it involves all this music and there's like shenanigans that go on and girls he sleeps with. And sure. Maybe he has probably has a goofy friend with like dumb glasses and a backwards hat. Who's like, might as well be doing drugs, but doesn't in the movie or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and has a bunch of catchphrases and shit And then he's a slick cool guy Get the ladies or whatever There's probably some antagonist Like maybe a rival uh, DJ <laughs> Like at a, at a rival station Who like wants to see the undoing Of Christian Slater And through the The, the willy nilly uh, Funny plot points that happen he
0: somehow saves the radio station by pumping up that volume. That's what I think the movie's about. Man, I want to see that movie instead of the one <laughs> we're about to watch. Okay. <laughs> um, no, you got the part about quote unquote saving the radio station. You, you sort of got you, you. You you touched on that. It's not quite that. the The story of Pump Up the Volume is that he is a high schooler in, uh, I believe, Phoenix, Arizona, which is why it appealed oh, to me because okay. I was because I was a teenager in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and the funny, wacky thing about the movie is he's really shy in person, but when he gets on that radio, man, does he talk oh, up a storm. He's okay. nasty. He calls himself hard Harry. He cusses, and he's <laughs> real confident, and he got just, he's got a real uh, knack for the spoken word, and it's not even on real radio. It's pirate radio. He's like... He's uh, sees the airwaves and he's oh, doing this underground okay. radio show that all the kids at the high school love, and they're like, "We think he's one of us. We think Hard Harry is one of the kids." Oh, it's here. like unknown who the it's, DJ yeah, is. Yeah, he's a, he's oh, a okay, secret okay. as to who he is, and so the I nerdy. Think I saw uh, a Veronica Mars episode <laughs> that like kind of cribbed this idea. Well, you uh, may now know where they got yeah. it from. Um, so he goes through school, and there's a girl that uh, he likes who is. If, if memory serves, uh, she's kind of a punk. I believe Samantha Mathis, is that the woman in Broken Arrow? maybe Uh, i I, I believe her name is samantha mathis we don't look this stuff up before folks for this very reason so we look stupid um samantha mathis who christian slater's in broken arrow yes they were reunited mere years (laughs) later to yes you've caught that part uh she plays his love interest and she's like a punk girl who uh i i don't know when she figures it out she doesn't know at first but she figures out because he can't talk to her see because he's shy And through the shenanigans of, you know, high school, whatever, uh, there's not... I don't remember there being that much of a conflict. It's just that, like the school is trying to crack down on this radio show because it's dirty and illicit and you know they got shut it. down his radio signal and so at the end he has to save his it's like about free speech right. and he's got to get his message to the people. I mean I
1: would imagine at some point there is a revelation of who the DJ is right. and then the students like realize it's him or he gets the girl or whatever right. or you know, something like that. I,
0: the school is trying to uh, catch hard Harry and uh, you know if he broadcasts from his home then they're going to you know trace the signal to his home and now he's got to figure out how to do the last radio show but not get caught and so he like rigs a thing in his car and drives around the city broadcasting <laughs> and the cops are trying to catch him there's a what? big chase at the end <laughs> oh it's, cool it, okay. yeah i mean that's about as exciting as this gets um i don't remember a lot about the movie except that it was just like a, a fairly typical teenage drama sure. Of the time, you know, like an 80s teenage drama. You've chosen it as a film you
1: remember fondly, so what specifically... It it sounded like the soundtrack was what really appealed to you. Well, the
0: soundtrack for sure is something that appealed to me because it really was just this collection of... I had never heard of almost any of the artists on it, and uh, when I got this... And, you know, in the 80s and 90s, soundtracks were like huge Oh, yeah, totally. Even, you know, they're still kind of popular now, but now it's sort of... Back then it was like, hey, we'll just take a bunch of artists, related or not to the plot, will throw them on a soundtrack together and kids will buy it up in droves just because their favorite artist is on here. Um, And every so often a soundtrack like this one would come along and it doesn't even matter (laughs) <laughs> for the movie. I mean, there's good music in the movie, but it's like the soundtrack just manages to be good on its own, which is a a rare trick. That's that's cool. Yeah. Like, we
1: like we discussed that with uh, I think like Garden State previously. Right. A similar thing. We're like, oh, the soundtrack is. Yeah. Almost like eclipses the film itself.
0: Yeah. And I didn't really quite realize it until I was kind of uh, thinking about the intro for this, but there are a lot of like cover songs on it. Like the theme to his show is Everybody Knows by Leonard Cohen. And, which they play throughout the movie. And then at the end of the movie, when he's like starting his last show or something like that, they play the concrete blonde version, which is the first version I'd heard of that song. Uh-huh. And I really liked it. And then I have discovered Leonard Cohen through that, which was awesome. And then I discovered the Pixies because they did uh, a slowed down version of their... Um, uh, wave of Mutilation song. Nice. That was the first I'd heard of that song, too. So when I heard the original, I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, so, whichever
1: so. way you found your way into the Pixies, yeah. uh, you have that movie to thank. See, me as a much younger person, uh, I I will I have no shame admitting that I didn't even know who the Pixies were until I saw Fight Club, which, oh, wow. granted, you know, okay, that's a very different world. But uh, yeah, when I heard their song at the end of Fight Club, I was like, who is this? Oh, wow. I've been under a rock. These guys seem really important. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, look at this. They... Like, like influenced everything and then got really into them that way
0: yeah that was a great thing I got into the Pixies just long enough for them to put out one more album and break up <laughs> but I got to go to one of their uh, farewell concerts which was awesome I was oh, at uh, jealous Jesus it was at the University of Arizona here's a funny story um, I believe my freshman year of, of college they were playing with you two in Phoenix Oh, uh, well, it was what, half a good show. Yeah, and, no, so, and I was—I really wanted to go, but I couldn't. Well, this was like '80s U2, right? It's now, like like, 90s. 90s. It was like '90s. It was—it was right after um, I believe *Acting Baby* had just uh, come okay. out, so that was uh, still good, but not like you know iPod bullshit stuff. No, 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 no. Way U2. before that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they were going to play a, a show with U2, and they had booked a side gig in Tucson, which is where I was at the time, and then the. Uh, theater venue that they were going to perform at burned to the ground before they could perform at it. <laughs> Jeez, and so they said, well, okay, we owe you all a show. Next time we're in town, we'll we'll uh, make good on that. And everyone's like, yeah, sure. But they did. They came back and they did the show. And that was the Death to the Pixies tour, wherein they were mad at each other and just mm. stalked each other on stage and gave each other the stink eye and Jeez. then broke up a year later or whatever. But it was really fun to be a, a part of that. Anyway, so I love the soundtrack as a kid. It really got me into uh, all these different uh, bands and stuff that I loved. The movie itself, uh, I can say I remember fondly because I remember as a kid liking it, but I can't remember why I liked it. And this is one of those things that I, you know, this, this like was a research mission. Here. Yeah. This is actually like it, in keeping with the uh, mission statement of this podcast, this was one of the, on the original list. Like when you handed me and when you said, let's do this podcast, this was on my original list of like movies to check out. Cause I couldn't, again, I couldn't remember. Well, I remember liking it. I don't remember why I liked it, and now I'm guessing as an older man, I'll look at it and go, fucking millennials. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a way, I'm
1: really intrigued to watch one that I have just no uh, knowledge of. I, I think those ones we do are kind of interesting because you're coming at it from this nostalgic memory uh, of, of wanting to rekindle your old love of the soundtrack. or whatever. <laughs> And I, I like coming at it from just, you know, I, I feel like I'll give a pretty earnest reaction right. because I have no template. I am nothing to just sort of go off of. Well,
0: it might be that at the time, you know, I saw Heathers and I just loved Christian Slater in it because I thought it was like, man, he's so awesome. He's a rebel and blah, blah, blah. Young Jack Nicholson. And this was sort of the first like time he could be him, I guess. Sure. um, I must
1: confess to uh, rather enjoying Christian Slater. I love that. That is a positive for me. I I
0: like him quite a bit. Uh, And I'm glad that he's enjoying kind of a Renaissance right now because I think He, I I don't know what it was. He just, I don't know if he just, uh, he was just stuck in a lot of bad movies or whatever, but he just did a slew of movies after Heather's and they just never measured up, which it's hard to do anyways. I think Heather's is kind of a classic, but like, you know, he he made some interesting
1: choices. What's that one where he is, has like a heart transplant with a baboon? Oh, and, yes. And it has a heart like un, in the title. Untamed Heart, heart or, heart, or heart, yes. For some reason, I saw that one. Well,
0: he was trying for some reason. I don't know if he wanted to do it or if his people thought he should do it, but he, they were trying to sell him so hard as a romantic like lead. Heartthrob. Yeah, they did. Yeah. You know, he did Untamed Heart. I, we're going to... We have right here the DVD. The only DVD of Pump Up the Volume is a double feature with Bed of Roses <laughs> with Mary Stewart Masterson in it. I mean, he they were trying so hard just to sell him as a romantic lead, which I think worked for a minute, but I don't think it, like, contributed to uh, uh, career longevity. I think he had to sort of reinvent himself. Sure. Um, anyway, the only other thing I remember about the movie, besides, I was amused at his, like, DJ antics, but I also remember Samantha Mathis... Who for some, I don't even remember why, but some reason she's figured out who he is. She's trying to get him, so she approaches the Clark Kent version of, <laughs> of uh, hard Harry and says to him, "I want you to admit thing. I want you to admit who you are. I want you to tell me to shut the hell up and go away." And to prompt a response out of him, she just rips her shirt off. For no reason, and then the camera okay. is doing a 180 around her topless while she's trying <laughs> to convince Christian Slater to open his mouth and talk to her. And I'm like, wow! I, uh, I wish a girl would do this. Yeah, That's a, I, me as a teenager, I'm sure it was like, whoa! <laughs> I've never seen a more green
1: light, I guess, than that. That, that is the most <laughs> unsubtle. Come on, right? And he still doesn't know what
0: to do. Wow! And he like kind of you know shuffles and looks mm. at the ground and doesn't know how to. I believe he says the immortal line, "I can't talk to you." Or something like that. <laughs> something my, along those I, lines. My
1: sympathies for this character are, are like dwindling as you <laughs> <laughs> explain more and more what a chicken chitty is. Like, I, we'll see. We'll
0: see. I um. You know, I I picked it because I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, I hope I'm not embarrassed by this. We'll, we'll see. Um, and again, the other thing I remembered specifically about it is that it takes place, I believe, in Phoenix. But if not Phoenix, some Arizona suburb. And the weird thing about it is... It completely got the experience right and yet somehow got the experience completely unrelatable to me. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, that looks and feels more or less like my experience, but maybe because it's so boilerplate, it almost doesn't match my experience. It's not, it's like, oh, he's in a suburban high school in Phoenix, which is like, well, As we were, but you're forgetting a part where it's always hot and we're sweaty all the time (laughs) and... Pump up the air conditioning. Yeah, pump up the AC. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It it tries to capture a a feeling and being one of the people who they're trying to capture the feelings of, it's like, well, I feel like you kind of missed the mark, but maybe I'll look back on it and go, oh, no, they're probably getting it more right than I realized. Who knows? Well, I have a feeling we'll have a much better
1: idea about exactly how good the movie is after we watch it
0: oh you think so yeah, i think so, this
1: is one of those like you're murky and i'm a blank slate <laughs> so th- we i think that when we come back we'll we'll be able to speak a lot more about the film well then should we
0: uh wager on it yeah i think it's hit about the, time get the ground running you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna give a uh, past john some kudos and i'm gonna say yeah you have good taste i'm saying it's gonna hold up okay dumb kid better hold up (laughs) well i i it's almost odd for
1: me to try to make a wager because i really have nothing to go on other than your word and your vague description my my word is my bond (laughs) but you know what christian slater i like him uh but i'm looking at this cover right now i'm gonna be honest i'm so I'm, i'm i'm actually holding the dvd cover that john has brought over and what i'm looking at is It says, pump up the volume. And then I see Christian Slater, like moody, holding his his hand. It's like his uh, brow is being held by his hand. And he's got this slick back hair. And he's just got a microphone on. It says, talk hard, steal the air. And everything about this cover, to me, says, does not hold up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what I'm going to... That's pure gut reaction. That's all I have to go on is this cover of the DVD. I'm saying nope. That's
0: probably accurate. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing you're I right. I would love to be surprised, but we'll we'll see. Please, Teenage John, please don't let me down. <laughs> Alright. Uh, Was well, there anything else you want to talk about before we go watch uh, Pump Up the Volume here? No, sir. Let's uh, get this
1: over with. Alright. Well, we will be back in a moment. For now, we're going to crank it up and go watch Pump Up the Volume.
0: Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Think about it. Everything's polluted. The environment, the government, the schools, you name it. We're on uh, 92FM tonight. It feels like a nice, clean little band. No one else is using it. Price is right. Are you listening to this? <laughs> yeah, of course I'm listening. There's nothing to do
1: anymore. All the great themes have been used up, turned into theme parks.
0: So I don't really find it exactly cheerful to be living
1: in a totally, like, exhausted decade where there's nothing to look forward to and no one to look up to.
0: He's got a pirate radio station. Nobody knows who he is. I,
1: I could be that anonymous nerd sitting across from you and you know, when you turn around and he just looks away. Never looks back at you again.
0: This is a song for the 90s. (sighs) I like
1: the idea that a voice can just go somewhere uninvited. Like a
0: dirty thought in a nice clean mind.
1: I know you. Not your name, but your game. Come to me, or I'll come to you. So you are him.
0: again with a little attitude for all you out here in white Bread land. it's 10 o'clock do you care where your parents are this radio person is the whole
1: problem are we going to allow this guy to be heard by anyone who can turn a dial I'm in jail i'm gonna stay here mm. i ain't like it here <laughs> and he's trying to tell you that there's something wrong with this school you're, right up.
0: Man. Man. you're not hey, what do you want to slam me come on do Big look at you get off the bus get out! Son <laughs> Why not do something crazy? It makes a hell of a lot more sense than blowing your brains out. FCC, you know what that means?
1: This phone call has been traced. This is my life you're screwing around with here, you know?
0: Not anymore it isn't. This is everyone's life, Mark.
1: You can't leave it like this. You out there? You listening? And we are back. The volume was pumped up. Steal the air, yeah. Talk hard,
0: hard John and hard other John are here to <laughs> chat you up. That uh, it, it's kind of funny that it's a movie about uh, radio broadcasting yeah. and, and putting your voice out there into the world, and and here we are. Podcasting and you know stealing the air and I can
1: I can only hope that we have changed the world as much as Hard Harry
0: did. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that everybody who legal
1: broadcasts,
0: everybody who listens to us goes and starts their own podcasts and chatters into the abyss. (laughs) Uh,
1: That was pretty cool
0: I gotta say like I kind of dug it oh, okay. I mean yeah it's well, definitely of its time I'll, but for sure I had a good time yeah I'll well, say that yeah well give your thoughts you hadn't seen it before so yeah I hadn't well first of all you I were can, expecting <clears throat> a nice like step up footloose type <laughs> uh, you yeah. know
1: yes I will admit I was expecting a rather silly kind of lighthearted film which is not at all what that movie was uh, I can see why you really enjoyed it when you watched it since it is the voice of the X generation <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> it's clear spoke to you at the time oh and how yes fucking fucked up the world is and everything sucks the and we-
0: fucking system is broken everyone <laughs> and this is how we're gonna change it and then we're gonna grow up and get jobs just like our parents did (laughs) yeah it's uh, well that was actually one of the funniest things to realize it's like at the time we watched it it's like yeah he's fucking talking about free speech and being who you are and now all those people in arizona who i grew up with are all voting for trump so yeah right (laughs) so uh i guess the message was lost
1: (laughs) well i I see what you're saying i to me what i what i liked about it or or what i found appealing is i I, and I don't see many movies that capture this well, but I feel like it captured the anger and angst and sort of feeling of youth, yes. of especially high school youth, of like being a teenager in a way that I found really compelling and actually a lot... Um, A lot darker and a lot more kind of willing to go to some rather strange places than than I had really given it credit for. Like I literally in my mind, I was like, oh, pump up the volume. He's just going to like be a rebel DJ playing music and make some fart jokes or something like (laughs) I really hadn't anticipated the sort of social commentary of the film.
0: Yeah I mean for those of you who haven't seen it Basically uh, the movie starts out With him just being like oh I'm just gonna pretend I'm masturbating and saying cuss words In the air and fairly quickly Becomes a show where everybody all the other Teenagers at his school starts sending him like Letters saying oh I was raped and oh yeah. I'm thinking about killing myself and he Becomes like their de facto voice Of the generation so Yeah and it, it, it's basically an overnight Turn like at first he's just fucking around He's like Howard Stern just fucking off yeah. And then like the next night he's reading letters and like doing Dear Abby, which is, you know, the turn is abrupt, I think for adults, but at the time it actually, I can remember that feeling much more like, yeah, this is, this makes sense. This is, yeah. Okay. And the thing you're talking about where it's like the, the angst of the generation and watching it now, I'm like, I can vaguely remember thinking, well, even as a teenager, this is sort of unsubtle, and it's kind of hitting the message over the head, but it also felt genuine, sure. even though it's, you know, they're kind of hitting the nail on the head quite a bit, but it, it did also capture that, like, super drama that you have when you're that age, where it's like, well, I know that I'm being overdramatic, and, and I'm, you know, uh, taking things way too personally, but fuck, dude! <laughs> well, it, you know,
1: and maybe this is just insight that comes from uh, having my own child now and being much older and being a father, but really, those teenage years are horrible <laughs> for right. everyone because you're really transitioning from your youth where everything was generally taken care of and fine. And it's really dawning on you that like, oh, the world kind of sucks. <laughs> and now I know that. And now how and it sort of drives everyone crazy. Right. To even realize that. Yeah. And I really like the message in the movie because the, the movie uh, is very much about this is a time in your life that is difficult that you feel alone that you feel kind of by yourself and then this this perverted dj this like hard harry like you said, kind of becomes the voice of all that, and it's like he's literally like David Koresh at a certain point. Like, like <laughs> kids are like tuning in, and he becomes the Messiah of the school. Like, every, they they uh, park their cars at the the football field, and it's like this ritualistic. Like, gotta tune in and listen to what he's saying, and everyone's uh, just really into it. And and to me, the movie took a really interesting turn where he has this audience he has them captivated and then uh, it, it all ties into you mentioned suicide there's a character that that basically like kills themselves right uh, in fact the movie opens with a shot of kids getting on a school bus and then it kind of tracks over to this one lonely looking kid just kind of staring out the window and they feature him rather prominently yeah and it wasn't Christian Slater, so I was watching and I was like, Who, "Who's this guy? Like, what does he matter? What is this?" Right. And he just looks kind of sad. And this ends up being this guy that writes into the radio show. Basically, the show. So, so like Hard Harry is taking letters that are like, you know, oh, uh, well, they're they're like made up. I think they lead it with some made up bullshit of this girl's like, oh, my brother sneaked, snuck stuck into bed and jerked off next right. to me. Ha 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 ha. And he's like, oh, I can smell a faker when I see one. And then literally the next letter is like. Hey, Harry, should I kill myself? And I think Harry, I, they they wisely, like, because they've just set it up as he just got a crank right. letter, I think he uh, sort of on the air is, is reading the letter like it's a crank letter, like right. it's just bullshit. And so he, they do this thing where they'll leave numbers and he calls them up and, like, talks to them on the air. And he gets this kid on the air that's like, well, that's so serious. Come on. Like, what, are you going to kill yourself? <laughs> like, dip. <laughs> And the kid's like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, you know, I, I, have a gun right here. He's like, oh, sure, you have a gun, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> he's like, no, no, I, I definitely do. And, and, and the shots of him are really disturbing because moments before, I think his mother came up, like, hey, would you like to come down and watch some TV with us? And he's like, no. <laughs> And right. they just full on Columbine out, and it's really creepy. Yeah. And they they very wisely because they could have so like melodramatically have you know show him like load the gun, cock the hammer, put it up to his head, cut away and hear a gunshot or something. Right.
0: Well, they do but have him loading the gun. They do. Well,
1: so you don't see the gun be off camera. You hear like a gun kind of loading.
0: Right. You hear the bullets sliding yeah. in, and
1: then that's it. They like cut away. Nary to think about it, and then the next day at school, like a teacher comes in and is like, "Uh, this kid killed himself last night." I thought that was a really tasteful, interesting way to do that because you could so easily just play it up for for the drama, but really they they put it in the perspective of Christian Slater of like what because he wouldn't know right? right until the next day. Like he wouldn't. I mean, we had an inkling, um, and then from that moment on, the movie gets rather serious i mean it has lighthearted moments but that that scene the suicide moment was where i was watching the movie going oh wow this is <laughs> this is way darker and way going into some areas that i had, had no idea that this would go to and it kind of didn't let up from that Zone for, for the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah, it was a little a little tonally inconsistent, but it, it did a good job of actually, like, once it decided, okay, we're serious about this, it kept with the serious. Absolutely. They would, they would throw in some humor, but they just decided, okay, if we're going to take these kids and their problems seriously, then we need to sort of a, adjust our tone. So they did, and then it works out. I think the only thing that, from that point on in the movie, doesn't kind of work is the subplot of... There's this whole, like, subplot of the, the principal of the school is like... Uh, weeding out undesirables mm-hmm. and by weed like she they'll take the money for the for everybody in school and then weed out the people with bad SAT scores and it, they, they keep touching on this subject and leading to it like harry himself is going to kind of pull the rug out and then they don't have that moment like sure. somebody else in the movie like another teacher has the moment and it, it sort of undermines that so it's like well if he's not if if he's just to be the inspiration for the the gener- the voice of a generation or whatever the inspiration to these kids then they should maybe either ditch that plot or or make him more kind of germane to it i don't know you, was, you know it's interesting oddly enough that plot really worked for me oh really in a way that i didn't anticipate now
1: i see the criticism. Because it is sort of Well what is it Is it a Gen X We're just mad And we don't know why Right the, the, the sort of problem With introducing this Villainous principle And her evil scheme Is it actually sort of Gives their anger A reason Right And it really like Makes them Kind of justified And righteous In their behavior Right Because it's like Oh no They're like Because for The theme of the movie Is people keep saying Like there's just Something wrong With this school <laughs> right. There's just Something wrong and and I remember just going, oh, yeah, angry kids, whatever. And then halfway through the movie, it sort of becomes clear, like, oh, no, there's like some bad things going on at the school with the staff. Right. And in a way, like give, giving his radio program and, and the sort of plot a, 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 a sort of truth to expose or, or, or a plot point to kind of get out there and and have this sort of catharsis of like oh we got her like yay, right. hey, we did it I, in a way i mean it's very stock but it did ground me in the movie with like a rooting interest like because i really it, and it also uh i think it ties into just personal stuff like in know i did not anticipate this but the movie tapped into personal feelings that i remember being so in high school i was very angry in high school yeah (laughs) like everyone but in high school i was like openly rebellious i got into some arguments with teachers i'd like had this whole thing i thought stuff that happened at the school was bullshit and that kind of stuff now nothing on the level of this mass conspiracy with the the principal like in case it's not clear because we're sort of talking around it a bit like the idea was that it, it's sort of, it's almost like the wire with them like pushing numbers <laughs> where the school kept, kept being touted as like, this is the best school. This is the best school. This is the best school in the district, the best right. school in the state or whatever. And they're just like basically
0: rigging the numbers. yeah They're juking the numbers. Yeah. It's like, like the wire. yeah,
1: they, she's, they have the highest SAT scores because anyone that has low SAT scores, they just make up reasons to expel them and pressure them and bully them out of the school. Which and so the so the 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 sort of conflict is like wait these kind of kids that aren't as intelligent or maybe some fuck ups or maybe a little rebellious are like have a right to an education that you're denying them because you want your school to be awesome. And they really they go to the point where like the assistant principal or whoever the guy is that's running around sort of telling everyone to button their shirts and and, <laughs> and get tough. Literally, like decks a student, like punches him in the face at one point, uh, which took me aback. I was just like, "Whoa, what is happening here?"
0: Yeah, because it's like once that happens, it's like even in 1990, that dude would have lost his job yeah, that instant. Yeah. It's like so I, they you know, make them very villainous. Yeah, I, it, it, but
1: yeah. in a way that like I don't I don't know I like I have no defense of your criticism. I think it's totally valid, but in in a way it emotionally grounded me in the movie and gave me a real rooting interest Where, like if they were just bitching to bitch right if they're like man life sucks fucking whatever you know <laughs> in like 1990 we had it pretty fucking good you know all things considered based right. on where we are now so I, in a way giving them an actual thing to be legitimately mad about i think helped me in a way
0: yeah I don't mind I actually don't mind the subplot I just wish it was Harry who had made the revelation and then not because basically the way they said it I mean I think they were doing it because um, Ellen Green is that her name Ellen Green who is the actress she's one of the teachers she's one of uh, Harry's the Writing from teachers. Little Shop of Horrors. She's from right? Little Shop yeah. of Horrors, right? She's yeah. sort of like the good teacher. Right. And I think she was one of the uh, the few, like, names in the movie. So I think they gave her something to do, basically, which is like, well, she's the one that broke into the office and took the files that proved this all happened. And it's like, well, that's great. But then, again, Harry is talking on the radio. It's like, hey, everyone, let me tell you what's happening at our school. It's this big dot, dot, dot. And then she, you know, Ellen Green comes up and says, I have the files that reveal that this dirty dealing is going on. And then cut back to Harry... And he's playing a song. He's completely like he's done his business and moved on. I just wanted him to be a little bit more involved sure. with, the, uh, with the big reveal. Well,
1: I, I don't know. I kind of like the idea that so his whole angle in the movie is just like, I didn't have a grand plan. I didn't mean to make a movement like I was just a pissed off kid talking into a microphone. Sure. And everyone's and like coming too. back at him with like, no, no, you don't understand. Like you have really touched on something here. And Because the thing is, I, I talked about the people sort of religiously following him. He, he makes a call to arms a few times where he's just like you know because he sort of reacts to he feels guilty about the suicide obviously right and feels bad and so he sort of counters that with this whole like don't kill yourself just get wild just get crazy
0: do stupid shit yeah, like ba- blow up your <laughs> shit in the microwave basically igniter,
1: ignites like a night of riot violence
0: like, amongst <laughs> he the sends high sends his mansonites <laughs> into the world to kill and yeah. do, do his bidding
1: which is like kind of cool in a way but they, they have this do good almost like valedictorian-esque uh girl who's like has a bunch of trophies and is all prim and proper. And they've showed her a few times looking like longingly in the distance as if she's about to snap. And yeah, she takes this call and then just takes all her shit, throws it in the microwave, sits like 12 feet back from the microwave while her entire house like basically explodes or not the whole house, but just the kitchen that blows up. Uh, that was really cool <laughs> like, uh, I don't like I don't know what it accomplished but it was I just like this ripping off of like uh, we're not gonna hide anymore I'm mad and I'm not gonna
0: hide it and I, I don't know I liked it there was some I mean it, it, again it, it was a little it was dancing a line a little bit but it did kind of show that like it was rebellion for rebellion's sake and it's like yeah, yeah. you're not gonna get much out of this totally. which I also kind of liked I, I kind of liked that it was you know he's just basically saying well let out a rebel yell and and hope for yeah. the best I guess well, very like
1: punk rock
0: yes like that's the thing like he didn't have a plan
1: and yeah. I, I kind of and to counter your point i kind of like that he's not the one with the smoking gun that i mean there are times where he, he reads documents on the air and stuff but he's not the one coming in while he's being arrested and the feds then like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> drop him sure. or walk over and put their shackles on the principal i mean that would, i don't know
0: i mean i guess i'm basically just saying as far as that plot goes either give him more or less on that like he reads the documents and then you know, just give it a little bit more so that he's a little bit more involved, Maybe. not cut to his music or don't have him deal with it at all. And the, you know, Ellen Green has her subplot and then it's over. And that's but great. I, I kind of liked his fuckwadness, like <laughs> in a way, like I like
1: that there was no grand master plan. That he. No, was I like that.
0: At. Yeah. I mean, I also like that. He would just like, st- you know, his dad is the like superintendent or something like that. The new superintendent of uh, Paradise Hills, yes. Arizona's school district. And uh And he steals all these documents from his dad's office just so he can read them over the air, which I thought was really clever because he's got like this inside voice that no one else has. Uh, And I also but I also kind of like the idea that you're espousing, which is like, well, he just does it to do it. He doesn't know exactly what he's doing with it. Like once he, one letter he reads is like, oh, this girl got pregnant. So they kicked her out of school and pressured her to leave or whatever. And, and they, and at one point near the end, like not at the end, but like near the end when things are like building to this climax, uh, she runs like, you know, there's basically riot at the school. The principal's like clocking T, you know, clocking students or whatever. And then she runs up and said, they had to take me back. And it's like, well, that's a little too, little too late, but all right. It was done. Yeah. It just seemed really shoehorned but it was also kind of like well that's that's kind of cool that might have
1: been a like whatever happened to that pregnant girl that was a plot (laughs) and they just kind of threw her in there willy nilly
0: that's the thing is I, I I like this movie and I can see why I as a kid liked it but I can also remember as a kid feeling like why it's like great maybe not awesome I don't know it's like there's a lot in it that's really fun and it's really well done but it's like there's a lot of things that get like to 75 or 80% and then don't right. quite go the distance I've, maybe for me a half of it is just the surprise of it right because when we hit play
1: on that movie I was expecting like weird science like that <laughs> that was like the level of
0: depth right
1: that I had anticipated I was thinking romp I was thinking silly goofy dumb movie
0: I think it would be nowadays I think if you said, "Okay, it's a it's a pirate DJ at a school in high school, right. and it's called Pump Up the Volume," then you would have that would be like the prerequisite. It would have to be a romp, and right. and, and the fact that it is almost an adult movie is kind of a crazy to begin with and, Absolutely. and and b it's not a movie they would make nowadays i don't think there was lots
1: of bits of it that impressed me and surprised me with how especially how sort of sexually graphic it was now not literally like showing sex or anything but in terms of the vulgarity of what they talked about on the air he talked about masturbation a lot and yeah stuff. he
0: faked masturbating yeah. quite a
1: bit and he talked about cock rings and all stuff and it's all high school kids so that that kind of threw me and was i was very impressed by and in fact there's one scene in particular similar to the suicide scene where a sort of uh closeted gay well i don't know if he's closeted but it's a, it's a gay high school male is calling in and he, he tells this very kind of off-putting story about how he went in uh, on the train tracks with a friend or a guy he kind of knew and they took their clothes off and he's sort of like exploring his sexuality and then bullies come by and take his clothes and make fun of him and uh, maybe i'm I might be misremembering this, but it's also like maybe the guy he went out with was like tricking him yeah, into like, doing it. Kind of
0: like lured him out, like a shame, like, and turned on him or whatever. Yeah,
1: and the fact that they were exploring this idea of uh, it, he and he even says to Christian Slater, like, "Oh, you probably just think I'm some gay wimp, right?" And then Christian Slater has this whole speech where he's like, "No, like he basically says, I think some people are really brave, and that's pretty amid-. And th- this sort of inside of the movie to talk about a gay high school man kind of opening up about that and christian slater rather than throwing in his face or anything is really supportive really understanding especially for a guy who's so vulgar and is like making orgasm sounds and stuff (laughs) it just threw me because this is 1990 like now that i think that scene is is totally standard but for for 1990 that you know to me that is a big deal yeah. And that really I mean, impressed me.
0: Yeah, that would I, I think the John Hughesian movies of the time would have been the best they could accomplish is like, well, we'll make fun of it, but it's it's okay, it's cool, but we're still going to fuck with you, dude. Yeah. Whereas here they just dropped it real serious and Christian Slater's like, "No, that's cool." And and, and the fact that it's normalized there is sort of a big deal for that time. Though I can remember that sort of being, you know, our attitude, uh, uh, us kids of the '90s of that sure. age. Sure.
1: Well, that was part of uh, you know our growing up that we kind of uh, were going through. That that yeah. was a transitional period. Where yeah. We're like, no, being gay is fine. And although I did notice they gave him the like telltale '90s
0: gay male earring,
1: <laughs> <laughs> like they couldn't help but be like, no, look, there he is. See, You're like, see,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> and he's sort of effeminate and blonde. Huh? Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know, I. I, I, honestly i'm getting the vibe that i came out of this like this movie more than you did well I, is, liked I did it. not expect i, like,
0: I uh, to me like i say most of the movie is like you know 75 85 percent there it's just uh, i'm surprised that i uh, that it held up as much as it did so to speak what, what so not only did i like it i kind of really
1: liked it well, let's see there you go <laughs> and i and i really did not anticipate that like I, the, well, as thank, much as i'm praising it
0: thank god teenage john has you know got good taste yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this uh, recurring theme keeps happening. I keep bringing these movies like, well, maybe this sucks and then it's like, <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. I mean, anything with a young mulleted Seth Green is okay. Oh, my God. With <laughs> a little mustache, too. He was such... And he's yeah, such Seth a little Green dude. Green was a high
1: school student in this. One of many. Yeah. Just kind of randomly... He was like rebelliously playing the the radio show over the airwaves of the school
0: on the on their like speaker system. He must have actually been that age though Yeah, he was like
1: young. Like
0: 10 years later he's still playing high school yeah. students and it's like <laughs> and he looks like a high school yeah, student. Yeah. He looks like a junior high student. You know what is kind of funny about the movie though there is uh, like the whole premise is that Hard Harry aka Mark Hunter is uh, is a transplant from New York. His family has just moved from New York. They're living in, you know, Phoenix, Arizona or a, a suburb thereof. And he can't, he doesn't have any friends. He can't talk to girls. And his dad's like, well, you know, you talk to girls in New York. And, right. and Christian Slater says, well, the girls are just different here, dad. And I'm like, different than what? It's yes. like, this is, that I would be yeah. the reverse. It'd be like, <laughs> if, it, if I moved from Phoenix to New York and it's like, I, I don't understand their ways. They're different here. They, uh, they're, they're pretty and they smell good. And I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> of course, I just threw every Arizona girl under the bus. But, sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> Yeah, You know, it's, it's not that <laughs> way. I just was may- being stupid. All right, but that, that, it, just, it just seemed like a yes. weird like, I mean, maybe that's cool that the reverse is like not what you'd expect. But it also seems like, well, if you can talk to girls in New York, right. it seems like you <laughs> yes, could see. Y- y-
1: you're right. It, if I had to garner any criticism against the movie, I think this plot of we were talking about it before or you were describing it before we watched the movie, this weird like dr jekyll mr hyde angle on christian slater where he's this super sultry just kind of sinful dj talking <laughs> a bunch of trash and very overt and very manic and then by day he's a glasses wearing invert you know who's afraid to talk to girls and can't even get up the gumption to talk to her when she's just like throwing herself
0: at him is, right. is a little weird like though I-, <laughs> I i mean this is hindsight talking That character is not terribly far from the person I was back then because in public, I would have been like you know hunched over walking the halls looking down someone says hey how you doing and then but you know with your friends in private it's like yeah and then i jerked off twice last (laughs) night it was delightful
1: that's i guess there's some truth to that i guess i'll see it But i also didn't look like christian slater that's (laughs) true
0: but and and as far as girls throwing themselves at me again i i don't know that they ever were but they could have been and i wouldn't have noticed because i was stupid so (laughs) all i know is if i had
1: been in high school and a girl had come to my room and said your words moved me and like basically just thrown herself at me i wouldn't just my reaction would not to be i can't talk to you (laughs) and like with my back to her like half crying like absolutely fucking not i like (laughs) high school john would just be like oh hot diggity damn (laughs) holy <laughs> shit I'm the luckiest man in the world like, I like how high school here.
0: John is kind of a bumpkin yeah, I, well you know gee <laughs> hey. willikers I'm gonna get me some oh, of that shuggy darn I, do, I, I will uh, the, I, I'm glad I remembered it wrong because I had like kind of put two scenes together where she comes into his house she like breaks into his room basically yeah. and starts saying I want you to talk to me he's like no I mustn't Dignity forbears, and then she like I had remembered it as in that moment when he wouldn't talk to her. She whips her shirt off to right. try and convince him to do that. She didn't do that. I, I I was I misremembered that. She basically has her moment where he won't talk to her, and he tells her he can't. And, and then the parents catch them together and she's like oh we're together and the dad's like yeah
1: get some son <laughs> yeah they're and, the most approving like sex parents I've ever seen yeah well they are ex hippies so yeah, it does kind of make sense
0: uh, and then he does his radio show for a minute and while he's doing his radio show he randomly pulls his shirt off because he's so hot and bothered or whatever <laughs> so then when he walks out she's waiting in the backyard for him so when he walks out all shirtless and smoking a cigarette I'm sure all the women in the audience were swooning and I had totally forgotten he had his shirt off first and that that's why she sort of does it in response. Yeah. So it, it didn't seem as weird this time around, but I just remembered as just like, like you say, she's just throwing herself at him at every opportunity. And he's just like, no, I can't. <laughs> so it's a little bit. Better yeah. than that <laughs> yeah that, you know that part was a little
1: strange, but I'll forgive it. I think they just got really attached to this concept of like by day he's a nerdy quiet guy and by night he's a madman, you know right and I, maybe had the casting been a little less... Pretty boy, like that's the thing. Christian Slater is a very attractive man, sure, and he just looks super cool. <laughs> so, the idea that he's, uh, you, you don't just, it's that like she's all that shit. Like, don't right. just throw glasses on him you and be like, What's done off. here? You oh, know? Like, shit, like, you're a fucking amazing yeah, dude! Like, oh my god, we never knew. Like, come
0: on, you're so Christian cut Slater. too. When you take your shirt off, goddamn, bro.
1: I'd, I'd almost feel like the movie would play even better if. You know, hard Harry was actually kind of a wormy, inverted guy, or like a guy that looked like that character would look. That, that would make it, make it a really interesting movie. And then the, maybe the hot lady is just hot for him because of his words and not because he's, like, a super hot dude. <laughs> not because he's Christian Slater. But it is high school, so, I mean, yeah. come on,
0: that would never happen. <laughs> yep, and it is a movie. I mean, they, they they also have the movie trope. She's very punk in the beginning. And then, like, after they have their, their night of non-sex where they, you know, are topless but and sort of kissing but not doing anything, the next time you see her and Forever After, she's like you know, button up Jackie Kennedy looking. (laughs) Her whole life has changed because of this one night. It's
1: like reverse grease.
0: (laughs) I mean, there is a great moment the day after where they've like, you know, again, they've been like cavorting topless with each other and kissing and then the next morning they both show up at school and they're both and he's back to his introverted self and they sort of meet in public for the first time and they just have this nice moment where they're just like looking at each other and kind of not looking. Kind of shyly, yeah, coyly like not kissing, and then they sort of like flirtatiously, like kiss a little bit, just a little one, and then they kind of smile all big, like they just, you know, had the best night of their lives, and then they <laughs> gently hold hands, like two finger holding hands. It's like, it was really cute. So <laughs> I, I had that. such a
1: different reaction. My, like, I just kept being like, what are we doing here?
0: <laughs> like, I like thought what it was is cute? <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments. It's just, well, because they managed to pull off the, like, again, that high school discovery of, like, oh, a girl likes me. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I just keep thinking of, like, <laughs> if
1: I was in my basement and a girl, like, threw her top off and was like, let's do this, I w- it would just be over right there. <laughs> like, like, I wouldn't even get to her. <laughs> like I would just be like, oh! <laughs> it would be, like, the saddest, like, sight you ever saw. It
0: would just be like, Lonely Island, I just yeah.
1: in my pants. <laughs> so this thing that it's all wound up and slowly happening to me was just,
0: like, I don't believe this at all. But maybe that's just me. <laughs> I kind of liked it. Um... All right. Well, and also I want to get back to the, uh, it is again, supposedly a suburb of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and I think they filmed it partly in Canada, partly in California. And the thing is, it's like, again, it reminded me of a time and place, but I look at it and it's like, well, you've kind of set dressed it for a time and place, but there's something about it. Didn't feel exactly a hundred percent there and i couldn't even tell you what it is it's not like it's wrong sure it's just like again that feeling of like well this is it, it looks like california you know what i mean even though they've yeah, right. picked the most deserty part of california that looks exactly like arizona it still had that feeling of like yeah, yeah this ain't phoenix well when they can't <laughs> bother to hide the name of the real high school in the right. they're
1: shooting <laughs> You can't really fault him for that one, I guess. Like they, yeah. they had shots where cuz they're supposed to be at like Humphrey's High or something. Yeah, right. And there's just shots with like the real name of the real high school yeah. clearly visible. Like Saugus High School or whatever. And I was it like, was. "Well, eh, you tried, I guess." <laughs>
0: uh, oh, what was the uh the the billboard? What did it say? Uh be a winner or Yeah, be a winner. Wait, I'm trying to remember the context of the Well, it's just okay. No, I remember a... be a winner. I'm just trying to It says be a, he's walking past the be a winner sign and it's like right after he's discovered the the suicide. That's right. And we we were, and John started laughing he was like he just saw the be a winner sign he's like god damn and I was like yeah the last thought that went through the last thing that went through that kid's head beside the bullet was the thought be a winner be a winner
1: <laughs> but that is kind of the thing in the movie right like there's this facade of like you have to be perfect right. everything's fine
0: no I think it was deliberate and I yeah. think it worked it was just totally. like so like <laughs> such a bald ironic statement. doesn't that suck be a winner is the school name and the kids just killed himself. <laughs> wow. Are you depressed teenagers? Yep. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's it 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 didn't embarrass me, thank God. That's good. I'm glad. <laughs> you got lucky on this one. <laughs> yeah, I squeak yet another well, one by uh,
1: are we so we're we at the official call here? Where, in your
0: opinion, did it hold up? Uh, I will say it held up, and I'm not gonna like say yes, triumphant hold up. It's like like I say, 75, 85. You know, it's sure. like a good C plus B minus hold up. Okay,
1: <laughs> I what to I thought it was great. I really liked it. Uh, I would say it it holds up for sure. Maybe that's just because it's my first viewing and I had no real expectations. So I I liked it a lot.
0: Once again, us just rubber stamping (laughs) every movie that comes our way.
1: So yeah, um, we should talk about what we're doing next month for the month of March. Yeah, it's your pick. Yeah. Your turn. Exactly. Uh, So we've talked about this movie a few times, but I I sort of like it when we do comedies. And uh, I think we're going to do austin powers international man of mystery
0: oh i'm glad that you said the whole title and, oh yes. and not just the shorthand yeah baby <laughs> yeah Can, can't you wait john it's gonna oh, be awesome you know up until that moment <laughs> i was like oh yeah i'd like to see austin powers again i might enjoy that and then you did one of the many <laughs> yep. quotable Get phrases ready. and i'm like oh fuck that's why i haven't watched it again yeah. okay i remember being really funny
1: so we'll we'll see on that one we'll, we'll see all right yes but uh should you have any thoughts about pump up the volume or any of the other movies uh that we've watched or even what we will watch austin powers anything at all please send us an email at holduppodcast at gmail.com in addition to that you can visit us on any of our social media pages we on all of them pretty much all of them are at hold up Podcasts. we're on facebook on twitter on instagram mm. uh, and uh, if you don't want to remember all any of that stuff and you just want to find everything we do you can find us at holduppodcast.com uh, so until next time
0: nobody move nobody gets hurt <laughs>